Are you ready to praise God this morning? Because I know he rescued my soul. His blood, he covered my sins. I believe. I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain, my pain is healed in his name. I believe. the banner cause my Lord has conquered the grave cause my Redeemer lives my Redeemer lives my Redeemer lives my Redeemer lives rescued my soul cause his blood it covers my sins I believe I believe my shame is taken away my pain my pain is healed in his name I believe I believe Raise the banner Cause my Lord has conquered the grave Cause my Redeemer lives 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 Top to see your kingdom come. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. See it again. My Redeemer lives. 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 Aren't you glad that our Redeemer lives, lives this morning? He's not in a grave somewhere, but he's alive and well. Amen.
redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Amen. When death was arrested and my life began, death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace, so free, washes over me. I may be new now life begins with you it's your endless love pouring down on us you have made us new now life begins with you Don't we serve an awesome God? Are you free this morning? Are you still bound by the chains of sin? Or are you free by the blood of the Lamb? place we've seen what you can do when we know that there is more we know that there is more we know that there's more than we've seen God and we're looking for it we come with expectation and you said that our expectations shall not be cut off so we expect you to move in this place God we expect your presence to be here expect you to, to change hearts and touch lives. We expect, Father, because your word says it and you're bound by your word that you abide in the praises of your people. So, God, we expect your presence to be here this morning, right now. We've seen what you can do, oh God of wonders. Oh, your power has no end. Things you've done before in greater measure. Oh, you will do again. Cause there's no prison wall you can't break through. No mountain you can't move. All things are possible. There's no broken 
body you can't raise, no soul that you can't save. All things are possible. Darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up. God of revival, let hope arise and death is overcome and you've already won God of revival the darkest night you can light it up you can light it up God of revival let hope arise death is overcome and you've already won God of revival Rose in victory And now you're seated Forever on the throne So why should my heart fear What you've defeated I will trust in you. Oh, let's sing that again. There's no broken body you can't raise, no soul that you can't save. All things are possible. In darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up. overcome and you've already won God of revival oh 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 God of revival oh City, God of 
stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people. Come awaken this city. Oh God of revival, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Oh, oh, oh. God of revival. Chains hit the ground. 
Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Oh, come and pour out your power, Lord. Come and pour out your revival, Lord. Oh, awaken us, Lord. Awaken your church, oh Lord. Yeah. Come awaken your church, oh Lord. Come awaken your church, oh Lord. Oh, God, you have so much more for us. You have so much more, Lord. You have so much more. You're a mighty God and you have plans for this city. You have plans for this church. You have plans for this area, God. Oh, yeah. And we want to see it, Lord. We want to see it, Lord. Now we receive 
the Spirit of God. We receive your reign. We receive your reign. We receive your seed is buried in sorrow you will call forth in its time you are lord lord of the harvest calling our hope now to arise every seed buried in sorrow you will call forth in its time. You are Lord, Lord of the harvest, calling our hope now to arise. We receive your reign. We receive.
promise to come everything that you have spoken will come to pass let it be done we receive your
Lord's in revival. Lord's in it now. A move of your spirit. Heaven break out. Oh, come now in power. Cover this land. You've done it before. Would you do it again? Lord's in revival. Lord's in it now. Your spirit, heaven break out. Come now in power, cover this land like you've done it before. Would you do it again? Oh, heaven break out. And heaven break out. Oh, heaven break out. I had this thought. I was thinking about the chorus and, and the move of God. And I got to thinking about the Israelites in the desert. And you know, the cloud moved. The fire moved. The cloud moved and the fire moved. And in order for the people to be a part of the move of God, they had to follow specific instructions and they had to be following God. Come on, I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got it. The cloud moved. God is moving. God is active. God is doing something. When the cloud moved, the people had to move. When the fire moved, the people had to move. And you know what? God is active and God is doing, but it required something from the people. It required that they follow God's leading. They follow him closely. He had to be in the center of the camp and they had to follow his instruction. So if we want God to move, we've got to be following him closely. Hungry hearts host his presence. It's intimacy that he moves on the hungry hearts. This morning we're going to pray for lost souls, prodigals. Maybe you have people close in your life that are far from God. We're going to call them home this morning for creative ideas to reach the lost the restoration of families and ministries at Life Church. Are you ready to pray? Amen. Are you ready, church? Father, we come before you this morning and we honor you. We thank you, God, that you are moving. We thank you that you are active. We thank you, God, that you are alive and you are in our midst, God. We thank you that you are moving among us, God. Lord, we pray for the lost. God, there's people in our lives right now. Call out their names. People close to you who are far from God. Children, prodigal sons and daughters. God, we ask you to touch their heart. We ask you to transform their life. We ask you that you would use us as the agent of change, oh God. Use us. Use us, God. Use us. Give us a burden for the lost. Break us for those who are far from you, God. Use us. Let us be the agent of change that you give us creative ideas. Creative ideas to reach the lost, God. That we'd have the energy to engage. We'd have the energy and we'd put aside the time to reach people who are far from you, God. Use us, God. We pray for ministries represented here at Life Church. We pray, God, for the children's ministry. We pray for the youth ministry. We pray for the worship team, the preaching ministry. God, life groups, hospitality, every single ministry represented under the umbrella of Life Church. And we ask you to bless it, God. We ask you to increase it, God. Every individual in this room, we ask you to place a call on their life, God, and give them a burden to serve in the ministry, to serve and be used at some capacity, God, to get involved 
in the furthering of your mission, to get involved and reach people, God. Brand us with you. Brand us, God, as a people that are committed to your name, that is a people that is committed to your mission, as a people that is committed to your glory, God. Oh, Jesus, restore families, God. Broken relationships. Broken, come on, church, intercede for your families. Broken relationships. God, families, families that are on the verge of divorce. Families that are broken. God, families that are in disarray. God, we break generational curses. God, give us the eyes to recognize the patterns. Give us the eyes to recognize the patterns of generational curses that we can walk in freedom, that we don't give ourselves over to the way that our grandparents did, the way that our great-grandparents did. And the curse is broken with us, with this generation. In Jesus' name, this generation breaks the curse, God. The prayers of the next generation hang on us. And I pray, God, that you use us to walk in freedom, to break the pattern. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen, amen. Won't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Hey, turn to somebody, high five them, tell them hello, welcome on the service. Good morning, everybody watching by live stream. We're glad you joined us this morning. So great that you've decided to be with us. And good morning, Life Church. Good morning, everybody who's here. It's so great to see you all. It's so great to be here with you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Life Church, and I want to welcome you to service this morning. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time with us, we'd ask that we want to connect with you. We'd ask that you text the word welcome to the number 337-317-4123. Hey, listen, and there's two things that get me fleshed out. It's group response, it's group texts, and dumb automated texts. So listen, we promise we're not going to bother you with a bunch of uh, unnecessary texts. We just want to connect with you. We want it to be a convenient way. So pull out your phone right now. If this is your first time, you can scan the QR code. You can also text the word welcome to the number 337-317-4123. And this is just an opportunity that we can connect with you. We can get to know you. Because you know what? Everybody desires to belong, and you belong at Life Church. We want to connect with you, and we'll remind you about your free gift after service. Also, for our regular attendees, we want to stand with you in prayer, so you can text the word prayer to the number 337-317-4123, or you can scan the QR code. Listen, prayer is our identity here. It's a core, it's a core value of us at Life Church, and we're going to stand with you. These text messages straight go straight to the pastoral staff. We've got an app, and we can keep up to date with the prayer messages, the, the prayer requests, the prayer uh, victories, and we want to stand with you in that. So you can text the word prayer to the number 337-317-4123, or you can scan the QR code. We want to stay connected with you. We want to stand with you in prayer because we know we serve the God of miracles. Amen? Hey, listen, Pastor Tiger's coming at this time. He's going to make an announcement about an intentionative initiative that we are endeavoring at Life Church to reach this community. Well, good morning. 
Okay, so how many people are aware that we have a community right behind the church? It's a trailer community. Uh, up until recently, I didn't even really know, like last year we had that. But how many people knew they had that? Pastor Josh and I have taken a drive through that community, and there are a lot of people back there. So... The Lord put it on uh, the pastoral staff here's heart that we want to endeavor to reach that community. We want to... Uh essentially adopt them in the spirit. Go after them just uh, because it's so close. You know, there's there's no reason that we can't reach this community who's literally in the backyard of the church. So we are launching our first effort to start to um, break down the walls there and start to draw them into the community. And whether God sends them here or he plants them in another church, whatever, as long as they get plugged into the community, right? But I want to ask you guys a question. So look around. You'll see all the lights in here. What would it do if we added one more light? Would you really be able to tell? Right? Y'all follow what I'm saying? Not really. We don't need any more lights in here. So, but the, the, the definition of darkness is this. It's the absence of light. So to become activated as the light of the world, we need to get to the places where there's darkness. So this Saturday, we're going to start it. We're going to go. Okay, so we're meeting here one o'clock. It's going to be one to three, and we're just going to go in there. And uh, Pastor Josh had a brilliant idea. He said, why don't we, everybody just make cookies? So we're going to, if you can come and you can be a part of this, you want to go help, we're just going to go and, you know, pray for people. Hannah, just uh, introduce ourselves. If you guys want to be a part of that, uh, I'm calling on the Light and Life Evangelism team, especially if you have the opportunity. We need you guys here. But also, if you're in the church and you have not been through that class yet and you still want to participate, you want an opportunity to go be the light in a safe environment, you want to get your feet wet, uh, come on out. We'll be here at 1 o'clock. It'll be It'll only be a couple of hours, and if you have the ability, bring some cookies because we want to bless them. We want to, you know, just little, you can wrap it in little cellophane bags, one or two things of cookies. We're going to go out. We're going to pray for people. We're going to introduce ourselves, and we're going to start to plow the ground of that harvest field right in the back of the church and believe that God's going to do something through it. Amen? All right. Amen. And once again, it's a part of a long-term effort where we're going to do little outreaches, maybe uh, build wheelchair ramps for people in that community, do different things. We just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We just want to go into that community and serve uh, once a month where we can just be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Also, on that note, our Light and Life class begins on in October, and so you can visit the Welcome Center. You can sign up for that. That's the class that Pastor Tiger was talking about, where we train and equip individuals to go out and to reach people. Uh, also, hey, I just wanted to remind you guys and recap, man, we're right in the middle of, of groups. Groups has launched, and it's been just, I'm hearing great testimonies from our leaders. I'm hearing great testimonies from individuals that are involved, and it's just a great time, because if you want to breed, if you want to build unity, you've got to breed community. I believe that. And so uh, Groups is doing that. Man, it's just an awesome time. I also wanted to put a plug. We're building our usher team. So if, uh, if you want to say, man, I want to get involved. I want to get more plugged in, do more things. Uh, the ushers serve in different areas, the main thing is they pass out communion, they open the doors, welcome people. So it's just a, it's a simple way to get it plugged in. It's a simple way to get involved. And, um, and it'd be awesome, man, if you can visit the Welcome Center, check that out. And one last thing, I just want to put in a plug for Wednesday night. This Wednesday, look at somebody and say, this Wednesday. 
Come on, this Wednesday, in our Wednesday night prayer meeting, I'm starting a series called Discerning the Voice of God. And so I'm excited about this series. I've been working on it. I've been planning it. And man, you might be at a place in life where you've got a big decision, you've got a prayerful decision that you're making, uh, or you know what, you might just, you know what, nobody's ever taught me how to hear the voice of God. What does that sound like for my life? I remember as a young Christian, I wish somebody would have taught me that. Week after week after week, I would go to the altar and ask the preacher to pray for me that I could hear the voice of God. And I just kind of had to waddle through that on my own. So I'm launching that this week. Uh, It's going to go for a couple weeks. But man, just the things that I've been learning through the scriptures and the things that I've learned throughout life about really listening to the voice of God and and hearing him speak. How many of you know you've got to lean in and to hear the voice of God? So that's going to start this Wednesday at seven o'clock. You don't want to miss it. Hey, listen, our prayer meetings are powerful. I'm just going to say that. Our prayer meetings are very powerful. The presence of God is often palpable in the room. And so if you haven't been, it's a great time to check it out. It's a great day to start something new. Amen. Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8 says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Here at Life Church, we've got four opportunities for you to partner with the Lord in giving. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've got a giving feature in our app. And we've also got a giving feature on the website. So we want you guys to be afforded every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Hey, turn your attention to the screen. We've got a video for you this morning. Praise God. Isn't that some exciting stuff that's going on, man? I mean, God's just moving. He really is. And uh, if, if, you know, it's, it's time to get off the bench. 
And I don't know why I feel like saying that, but I just feel like I need to say that. It's time to get off the bench. And, um, you know, the old story is the irony of a football game is there's 22 guys on the field, you know, it completely exhausted while there's 80,000 people in the stands sitting there doing nothing. You know, I mean, you know, screaming and yelling for the 22 guys. I mean, and, and honestly, that's the way the average church is. But God's doing something here, and people are responding to the call. And I thank God for that. I really do. Um, I, I want to take a moment, if we can, uh, in prayer. Uh, some of you may know, uh, may have heard the news yesterday about um, Pastor Lyndall Cooley, who was the worship leader during the Brownsville revival uh, for so many years, who pastors in the Nashville area, was rushed yesterday to a hospital. And I won't go into all the details, but he had a very rare condition where it, they call it a dissection of the aorta. And... It was in surgery for many, many hours, um, and I've had three updates, and I just got one right as I was coming into church. Um, they had taken him back into surgery again at 7 o'clock this morning. He was bleeding internally again. They had surgical teams standing by, on standby, and, uh, but just got a text message from John Kilpatrick's ministry that his wife is right there. They took him back into surgery again, but before he went back into surgery again, and they said it's not unusual with such a rare and major surgery as this for them to go into surgery more than two or three times but he was responding to um, asking to squeeze his hand move his toes and think blink his eyes and stuff like that so he's still in very very critical condition and you know when I heard it yesterday and this morning as I was praying for him I felt like the enemy was saying I'm gonna take out a voice um, that that led the world in a time of worship and revival and I felt like the you know just I wanted to slap the devil if I could you know and just say if you take out that voice there'll be a million others that will raise their voice but I just feel impressed to pray for him right now and some of you don't know who I'm talking about but some of you do and um, God used him in, a, in an incredible way during that almost five-year period of time. And millions and millions of people came to Pensacola during that revival. And so, could we just take a minute and ask God again just to perform? Literally, the heart split, and they put it back together. And... and uh, I don't know, I think there's something symbolic in there somewhere. And um, in the spirit realm, I really do. And, and uh, But I want us to take a minute to pray for him and for his family. Father, we lift Pastor Lindell to you right now. And God, we know that medical teams can do all that they've been trained to do, but we know that you, above all, are the great physician. And you take broken things and you put them back together and mend them. And in this God, there are thousands and thousands of people who are praying and you are answering those prayers, but we lift our voice together. And we pray, Lord God, that you supernaturally touch that heart
and that you would bring it back into wholeness and it would begin to function as it's supposed to do and that his voice would not be taken out but that his voice would be lifted towards the heavens, Lord God. And we lift our voice with thousands of other people across the world who have been touched by the ministry and the giftings of his life. God, as we just say, Jesus, heal that heart right now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. And before I get into the word this morning, um, this, I have to say this, and I, I, I just feel it's, I have to say it now, okay? Um, the Holy Spirit began speaking to me early this morning, woke up in the middle of the night twice, and he began speaking to me about it, and as we were worshiping God, he began to show me things, and I, I saw, literally saw, in the spirit realm, if you don't know what that means, I, I can't explain it to you right now, but in my spirit I saw three large hurricanes coming off the coast of Africa lined up one after the other and they were like category five already usually they start off as a wave and and build as they cross but they were already they were coming off the coast then they were lined up straight one right behind the other and and I felt the spirit of God speaking to me he said and tell tell the people he said that oh, in, the, in the next 90 days and I felt that each storm represented a 90 day period of time but he said there, the storms represent three different things he said there is going to be geo there's going to be a geopolitical storm if you don't understand what I'm talking about I'm talking about um, nations leaders rulers kings um, um, uh, people in in high places uh, politics um, there's a geopolitical storm there's an economic storm and then there's natural occurrences. And he said in the next 90 days there is going to be a giant shaking that is going to happen. They're going to come, not one right after another, but they are in alignment with one another. And he said, tell my people to be looking to me and to be in that place where they're hearing my voice. And I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence that Pastor Josh is going to begin to teach on hearing the voice of God. But I, I'm just telling you that in the next 90 days, you're going to see a shaking. A shaking. Uh, uh, in all three realms, not only in this nation, but around the world. You're going to see a shaking. The things that you thought were impossible are going to take place. Jesus said in the last days that signs leading up to the end of days, not the end of days itself, that men's hearts will fail them for the fear of that which they they pre perceive is going to take place. And so I'm telling you this so that you are forewarned. I, 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 would, I don't speak things like this unless I know what I hear the voice of the Lord saying and I hear him saying this. I've had an uneasiness in my spirit for a few weeks now and, and some plans that I have made I've put it completely aside simply because I've just felt something's not right. Something's not right for that. And, and God does, I, I, I talked about it last week, and I think that, that there's times that God will, will, get, will lead you by his peace, but you won't understand why he's telling you. 
you've got to trust him. And that's what a walk of faith is. And so um, I've, I've actually changed personal plans. Um, things that I really wanted to do. And, but I've just felt uneasy about the whole thing. And um, many of you don't know that last weekend when I stood in this pulpit, um, my heart had gone back into AFib again. And my pulse, my pulse rate was 184 beats a minute. And my blood pressure was, was 192 over 112. And I told the devil, I said, you're not going to stop me from preaching the message that you've given me. Amen. And after I left, I almost passed out a couple times. I grabbed Brother Josh's shoulder while we were standing outside. I finally just went home and somebody said, well, you should. I called my sister as a nurse. She said, you need to get to the hospital. And I said, well, all they're going to do is put an IV in me and make me sit down there for several hours. And that'll even stress me out even more, you know. And then they'll send me home when I have an appointment with my cardiologist on Tuesday already. So I said, I'm going to go try and lay down. If it gets worse, I'll go to the hospital. And I went and laid down and eventually fell asleep. And three hours later when I got up, my heart was back in normal sinus rhythm again. And, and, and I said, what is causing this? And it's like the Holy Spirit is saying, you're internalizing stress of things that I'm showing you that are coming. You cannot stress over these things. You have to know. And it's not that I'm stressing over them, but I'm internalizing things that I'm sensing in the spirit and I, ha I have to give them to God. And so I'm telling you these things in the head so that when you begin to see some things happen, you're not going to go, oh, what's that all about? The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when the Spirit of God comes, he will show you things to come. He may not be specific, he can be at times, but he will show you things. He will warn you of things to come. And I'm just telling you what I feel impressed to tell you this morning. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. Second um, Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything. Say everything. Everything, everything we need for a godly life. I am so tired of hearing Christians say, I can't do it. Oh, you may not be able to, but God has given you, if you're a follower of Christ, everything you need for a, a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great, what kind of? Very great. Somewhat great? Little great? very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He says, for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities, notice the if there. In other words, it's not a guarantee. It's something that we have to be intentional about. He's telling us do this and add this and add this and add this and add this. If you do these things, if you possess these qualities in what? Increasing measure. In other words, you can have a little bit. 
They used to have a commercial back in my, my days as a little boy. There was this uh, um, stuff called Brill Cream that men used to put on their hair, you know, to, to comb their hair back. And they had, a, they had a phrase, and it said, a little dab will do you. Just a little dab will do you. And I think a lot of Christians are like that about this word. I got a verse, a little dab will do me. No, you're going to need more than that. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you. Look what it says. They will keep you from what? Being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. What Peter is saying is that it is possible to say you love God and that you're in Christ, but be ineffective and unproductive. Woohoo! Oh me, oh my. Come on. That's what he says. He says, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. And then it goes on in verse 12. So Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things. Amen. He's not afraid to remind us. And sometimes we need to be brought back into remembrance of some basic things in our lives. And he says, even though you know them, you're firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body. And, and that's really where I feel like I'm at this morning. And my message is simply spiritual balance brings spiritual maturity. Okay, I came across a quote this past week when I was thinking about this, and I'd never read it before. It's very simple, but it simply said this, extremes are easy, strive for balance. <laughs> it's so simple, but it's, it is really good. Extremes are easy. I know people who go off on tangents this way, and I know people who go off on tangents this way, but to walk it down the middle, that's hard. That is hard. I'm telling you, that's hard. I mean, years ago when I was pastoring in Eunice, I took my pastoral staff and their, and their spouses to like a three-day conference over in Texas. And and it was in one of these mega super church places, you know. I mean, you know, you know, things we couldn't even wrap our heads around. You know, we, were, we, weren't, we weren't even mini mega. I mean, you know, at that time we were running 350, 400 people. And we thought that was good. In a little town of 11,000, that's pretty cool, you know. But you go into a place and, you know, they're running 35, 40,000. And they're doing all this stuff. And you just, you almost come away demoralized. Pastor Josh, because you're like, we can't do nothing like these people. I mean, they actually brought, for a thing on spiritual warfare, they brought an army tank out on the stage. At Christmas time, they went to Times Square and videotaped Times Square Rockefeller Plaza where they're skating. Next thing you know, the curtain's raised and they're skating on the stage. I mean, it was like 
how do you take anything from that and go, okay, how can we apply this? You know, and I remember we were riding in the van coming home that night and we had been discussing things. All of a sudden it got really, really quiet. And I won't say the denomination they belong to, but one of, one of the, my team members and the pastors on staff said, it would be really easy to be, and he named that denomination. And what he was saying was, he said, because they just plan everything out to the minute. They, they even had multiple, multiple, multiple services. And they had a team of people that critiqued the pastor's message. And in between, they would come in and say, take out this line, add this, put two more minutes on this, take away this whole section on this. And, and they did that after every single service. And he said, it would be so easy to be that way because you just plan everything and do it every, everything that way. And I said, yeah. I said, but where's the Holy Ghost in that? And he goes, that's just it. He said, so, he said, but a lot of churches, they say they're filled, spirit-filled churches. They don't plan anything. They don't do anything. They're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. And he said, and I said to him, I said, I feel like it's like walking a tightrope. Because you have to plan but you have to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit at the same time. And it's easy to go this way, and it's easy to go this way. But to walk the line, to walk in balance, is so much harder. Because there's this pulling that's going on back and forth, this force that's going on in our life. To, to, to live a balanced spiritual life and I'm going to say spiritually but really we should we should live balanced lives um, if, if knowing Jesus should do anything it should balance our lives it should help us put priorities in our lives and and um, but the, the the definition of balance is a state of equilibrium equal distribution of weight or amount, mental steadiness, or emotional stability, a habit of calm behavior and judgment. How many of you think we need some good balance in our lives? Calm behavior, good judgment, emotional stability, mental steadiness, right? I mean, I mean, that's what we need. But I'm not sure how or when, but somewhere in our culture, we've normalized imbalance and extremism. Yes. And we, we're overworked, we're overscheduled, we're not engaged at home, we're popping pills to sleep, we're popping pills to wake up, we're ministering to others while neglecting our homes, and we're ministering to others while neglecting our own mental health and emotional health, and the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. It's one of the reasons that over 1,800 ministers a, a month in the United States leave the ministry. Because they're, they're, they're going to the well to help so many people, but they're not helping themselves. And, and when they're unhealthy, you can't, when you're sick, you can't help others. And, and so God wants, he wants to bring spiritual balance into our lives. We were not, our bodies were not designed, our minds, our spirits were not designed to live 
in such chaos. We were created by our Heavenly Father to live our lives in a balanced expression of His grace here on earth. People should look at us and go, things don't seem to shake you. Like things don't seem to bother you. Don't you see what's going on? And you go, I do. And they go, well, then why aren't you frazzled like me? And you go, because I know the one who's in charge. And I know that he knows me. And he knows my name. And he knows me better than I know myself. And I've given everything to him. And I've surrendered. You know, <coughs> that's what he expects us to do. I had a pastor, excuse me, <coughs> a couple of years ago, who sat me down at lunch. And a younger pastor sat me down at lunch and he said, if you could do, Bob, if you could do one thing in the years of ministry ahead, however many years you may have left, he wasn't trying to put me out to pasture. He was just say, basically saying, you know, in the years that you have left, what would that one thing be? And I, I didn't have to think about it very long. And I, I remember I said, I want to help people mature in Christ through the teaching of the Word of God and to pass along to them lessons that I've learned from personal experiences. Stories. Those things that only you can tell because you, only you've been there. And how God worked and how God delivered and how God made himself real to you. All of those kinds of things. There's the old adage that history tends to repeat itself. And, and it's because people don't know history. Did you get that? History repeats itself because people don't know history. And so my thing is, if I can tell history and stories and the past and principles out of God's word, those things never change. God's word does not change. God does not change. I mean, the times may change, but the principles and truths still remain the same. And so over the, over the years of my Christian walk, which has been over 50 years now, I've seen a lot of people that got out of balance in their walk with God. Uh, I've known many Christian leaders. And when I say that, I mean ministers and teachers, even those with prophetic giftings. Um, I'm, I'm talking about just, not even just, I'm talking about even international ministries that got out of balance. And when they got out of balance, they got into error in their teaching. And, and then they even lost their position of influence within the body of Christ because the error opened the door to sin. And though I've seen God do incredible things in my lifetime, in my walk with Jesus Christ, I've also seen a lot of bad stuff come and go in the, through the church. Okay? And in and, and every case, every case, those bad things had its root in being unbalanced. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to be very open and honest with you about some things. But I'm, here's an example. Um, before Kenneth Hagin Sr. died. Now some of you know who that is. Some of you have no clue who he is. Kenneth Hagin Sr. was one of, one, um, just God healed him miraculously from tuberculosis when he was a, a teenager and he was raised up in, in, in um, 
the 40s and 50s and preaching the gospel and seeing miracles and 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 everything else and uh, when the charismatic move broke out in in the late 60s early 70s he was one a very key teacher uh, a lot of people point to him and say he was one of the fathers of the word of faith movement I, I'm not I'm not pointing fingers or anything like that, but I can tell you this, that a lot of things were attributed to him that he never said. And, and um, near the end of his life, one of the things that he did was, he wrote a book called The Midas Touch. And it says, a balanced approach to biblical prosperity. Because what happened was, there were people who came up and took his teaching that he was teaching and they took it beyond the scope that it should have been. And he wrote a book condemning these, these extremist teachings. The thing is, before he wrote the book, he actually confronted many of these national and international teachers of the era of their teaching. He gave them opportunities to repent he said, if you don't, I'm going to publish this book and I will point you out and the errors that you're teaching. And, and my whole point in saying that is that he, he wrote it to correct imbalances. They took biblical principles and took it to an extreme. And, and, and I've seen that many times and they've, they twisted it and um, eventually to where if these people were speaking, the only subject they were going to preach on was prosperity. That's it. And, and I believe that God wants to bless. And I believe that God wants to prosper, but the world's idea of prosper and God's idea of prosper can be two totally different things. How many of you know that to be true? And so um, they got to where that's all they would talk about. That's all they would preach on was money and prosperity and money and prosperity and all those kinds of things. And, and um, so many, many of these people that they would use scriptures to prove their point. And here's one that they would use all the time. In 1 Timothy 5, it says, And the elders who direct the affairs of the church um, well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work, whose work is preaching and teaching. And they said, For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So they would say, See, you know, uh, you're supposed to bless the man of God or the woman of God. And they would just talk about how, you know, uh, give them double honor and, you know, financially bless. And they would use that for their own gain, okay? But they would conveniently forget the scripture in James chapter 3 verse 1 where it says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. The, and the reason is because those who teach the word of God are going to be judged doubly harsh, or not harsh, but doubly strictly because your influence of taking the word and rightly dividing it, as the scripture says, and using it properly in its context can have the impact of leading people into error or going the wrong way or lead them in the right way of righteousness. 
That's why it says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly understanding it, discerning it, teaching it, breaking it down. And uh, so later Paul writes to Timothy, his protege in the Lord, and he writes to Timothy about this need to stay balanced. Timothy's a young minister. He's been put in charge of, of a church that Paul basically has established. And in his second letter to Timothy, Paul writes this, in 2 Timothy 3, he says, Timothy, continue in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing those from whom you have learned them, and that since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on and says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every work. The, the, the idea of the word complete there is mature. In other words, he's saying, he's saying all the scripture has been given so that you can become the man of God that God intends for you to be. Or the woman of God that God wants you to be. All the scripture. You can't just isolate certain things and just focus on that and say that's all I'm going to preach about. That's all I'm going to talk about. I understand that there are people who have giftings in certain areas. And... and um, and, and God will use them mightily in certain areas. I'm, I'm trying to remember uh, in my mind, it, it, I'm drawing a blank, but years and years and years ago in the, um, the old healing revival meetings, there was a certain individual that, that a person came up to them in the prayer line for healing and he said, I can pray for you. He said, but if I had your condition, I'd go get in that line where my wife is praying for people. Because she has an anointing to see healings by pe of people who have your condition. He said, by faith I can pray and I can believe God to heal you. But if I was you, I'd be in that line because she has an anointing about that. He said, my gifting is to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. See, now I recognize that. There are certain people who operate and God has shown favor in certain areas and things. But all scripture is given. That doesn't mean because a person may be ministry in a certain area, have a heavy anointing to minister in a certain area, that they ignore all the scripture. It doesn't mean that they focus on that one area. And what we need to understand is that learning to be balanced in the Lord is a process. But it's also a choice. There ain't no click in your heels. <laughs> I wish I was balanced in the Lord. Click, click, click. Get ready. <laughs> because the storms are coming. And tough times are coming. Why? Because you're going to get balanced. Well, no, 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 I don't want that. I just want God to put me in a bubble, you know, like a, a spiritual force field where it's not going to bother me. It doesn't work that way. And the thing is, 
We have to choose to let God do what God wants to do to, make, to bring us to a place of spiritual maturity and spiritual balance in our lives. I know some people, their spiritual walk is like riding on a roller coaster at Six Flags. You know, one Sunday they're, they're going up and they're like, Woo! And the next Sunday they're upside down and rolling around and they're going, Mama! You know, and then they run to the pastor and go, I don't know what's going on. And I go, grab a hold of that thing in front of you and hang on. You know, that's what it's there for, you know. And that's what the Word of God is there for. Um, one reason people get out of balance spiritually is because they desire to accelerate the purpose of God in their lives. I, I saw this as a teenager, um, uh, 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 a man in our home group, um, very charismatic kind of fellow. Everybody liked him. He's a good looking guy, everything. And you know, the Bible says don't put a novice in a place of leadership. And the reason is because just because they look good and they, they're charismatic and people like them, he doesn't have the wisdom. You'll destroy the man or the woman. And, uh, but but it, we were a young fellowship and, and the leadership kind of tapped him. Next thing you know, he's teaching on Friday night Bible studies and stuff. And he married a woman in the church who was a very godly woman and had been so faithful. And next thing I know, that marriage is falling apart. And, and, and it was ugly, my friends. It was ugly, the fallout from that. And, and, and the reason I say that is because they, they thought, He's got the goods we can push him through. There's no fast track in God. I wish there was. I wish there was like some kind of spiritual microwave. God puts us in. And we come out. Man of God. Woman of God. You know, it doesn't happen that way. You may come out glowing, but it ain't going <laughs> to... That ain't normal, you know. I mean, the problem is when, when a person goes... And if they take one thing and they go in that one area, they may, they may become strong in that one area in their life, but they don't have a solid foundation. Because a foundation is not one little part. It's the whole thing. Okay? And a house is able to stand and weather storms over time if it's built on a strong foundation. Even the secular world understands this. The world of finance, for example. Investment counselors will tell you that you don't put all your money in one company or one stock or one fund or one idea. The idea is to diversify because if that one company goes down, those other companies may stay up. And that way you don't lose everything. They understand that. The Apostle Paul was balanced throughout his life living out biblical truths. I mean, you know, we'd like to read the Bible with rose-colored glasses and think that Paul had a halo over his head and never everything went wrong. But go back and read. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was carried outside the city, stoned to death, led for dead. I mean, you name it. Uh, one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And people go, ah, oh, I want to be a New Testament church. Get ready. Because God's no... 
respecter of persons. Those things worked their work in Paul's life. Because God knew what he needed him to do. In fact, he sent a prophet and says, whoever, he, the prophet went and took a piece of garment and bound his arms and says, whoever owns this garment, God says, I'm about to deliver you up to Caesar. And the people tried to talk him into going to town. They said, run, Paul, run. Paul said, I'm not going to run. God just told me this is going to happen to me. Why would I run the opposite way? Our, in our natural, we might want to do that. The reason people today don't want to hear the word balanced is because it's boring. <laughs> I'll give you some examples. When my wife and I first got married, we used to work for a guy named Norval Hayes, who was a speaker in the charismatic circuit. He was a businessman, multimillionaire, but he didn't live like a multimillionaire. And uh, we were at a Nashville convention, like 5,000 people at this convention. There were multiple speakers and things like that. And, and so my wife and I were working the book and tape table. I say tape. Some of you younger people don't know what I'm talking about. In those days, they had just come out with something called a cassette tape that you could actually record to. And um, it was better than the eight tracks. And before that, though, it was, you know, there was no such thing. I mean, no, it, anyway. <laughs> We'd have hundreds of tapes, and we had duplicators behind us, and we had books and stuff, and we sold it. And we were set up between one room in this hotel and another room, and all of a sudden, ten minutes into it, the door opens up on the right, and all these people come out and go, I don't want to hear any of that stuff. Let's go over here and listen to that, this person. Because the person over here on this side was talking about following God during difficult times. And they said, let's go over to the room down the hall because that guy down there is talking about how to experience miracles in your life. True. Dozens of people got up and left this room over here to go over this room where they were talking about miracles. And what, you know what was incredible? Was at the end of the meeting in the room where he was talking about following God in difficult times, the Holy Ghost fell in there in such a powerful way that rows of people just fell over under the power of the Spirit. People ran to the front of the church, that front of the room. They were weeping. We could hear the noise out in the lobby of this huge hotel. We just went in to see what was going on. People were wailing and crying before God. People were laid out all over the place. And I'm going, whoa, what's going on in here? And this person next to me said, I can't take it anymore. I said, what's the matter? They said, the presence of God's too heavy in this place. And those people had left earlier because they didn't want to hear that. And they ran over here, had experienced miracles, and nobody came out of there crying. I'm just telling you a true experience. See, people don't want to hear about discipline. They don't want to hear about being steady. They want the excitement, the adrenaline rush. So let me get into this. I'm going to give you three things here. The dangers of not being spiritually balanced. And the first one is that spiritual imbalance will cause you to get caught up in passing fads and trends. Being spiritually imbalanced will cause you 
to get up and caught up in these. Now, here's, here's the thing. Spiritual imbalance will cause that. Spiritual balance will help you not to get caught up in those things. You'll recognize it for what it is. There's been a lot of fads that have come through the church over time. And I've seen them. And I've, I, I remember the deliverance movement when it first broke out in the early 70s, casting out demons. But it got so ridiculous to so extreme that I remember going to a convention where the person we worked for was speaking, but this other person was like the headliner, if I could put it that way, on the poster, because he was real big in deliverance ministry. So if you went into his meeting, you'll love this tiger. <laughs> They handed you like one or two brown paper bags, like lunch bags, because they taught that when they cast out devils, you'd throw them up in this bag, tie the bag up, and throw them away. So you might, like, I don't want to be crude, vomit into a bag, and that would be a demon. That's how extreme it got. I, I could tell you an individual has a national Christian network. And I, I, I remember when I heard him say, there's somebody that's watching this channel that has a demon of peanut butter. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I thought, this is nuts. They've gone to extremes. A demon of peanut butter. I've seen it. The shepherding movement, I mentioned it a week ago. And it was, it was the idea that you were submitted to elders. You couldn't even go to work without calling your elder first. You, you, if you wanted to know what color clothes to wear, you called your elder first. If you wanted to brush your teeth, you called your elder first. Is it okay to use this kind of toothpaste or should I use this kind of toothpaste? Um, it, it, it was ridiculous. Uh, I, the laughter movement. Now please, listen to me. I, I'm not casting stones. I believe in Holy Ghost laughter. I've experienced it. And believe me, it has to be the Holy Ghost to get me to do what I did. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But much of what was going on across this country was not the Holy Ghost. It was flesh. Because what happened was the focus was on that. In fact, there was a certain minister in this country who was like one of the top headliners for that. And he was going to a church in New Orleans. So I said, I'm going down to check him out. And so I go down there and he invites all, he said, if you're a pastor, minister of any kind, why don't you come? And we, there was probably 150 lined up across the front. And as he started laying hands on people, they just started going down and cackling and, you know, and everything else. And so I said, okay, let's see what happens here, you know. And I said, God, if it's you, that's fine, whatever. He got to me and he laid hands on me and nothing. And so he, he kept laying hands on me and nothing. And then he started kind of pushing on me and I just kind of <laughs> dug in like that. 
give it your best shot, you know. I mean, after a little while, he was praying in tongues. I was praying in tongues. We're having the battle of tongues, you know. I'm like, dude, if it's God, it's, I'm going down. But if it ain't God, I ain't going down. And, and finally, he turned me over to some of his team, said, keep praying for him. And everybody else, he went down the line. They're all laying on the floor. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, you know, and I just looked at that and I said, no. Because they were predisposed to the fact that coming to this meeting, they were going to fall on the floor and laugh. I'm just telling you. The word of God was not preached. There was a lot of flesh that was promoted. And even... Near the end of that thing, if I can put say near the end of it, we had YouTube videos of ministers on YouTube talking about token on the Holy Ghost. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Those of you who've never done smoke marijuana or weed or anything, you don't know what I'm talking about. But they were talking about, they said, I said, we're going to toke on the Holy Ghost. I said, that's blasphemy. I said, that's perversion. And they were just saying, and they'd act like they were stoned and high. We're just getting toked on the Holy Ghost. And that's what I'm saying. It's easier to go to the extreme than it is to stay balanced. And, and um, you, you can, and let me just say this. You can, please don't get my heart wrong in this. But you can never... And you should never go into a meeting already having decided in your mind how God is going to move. Come expecting God to move. But don't come with the idea, if God does this, I know he moved. I've seen such foolishness in the pulpits and the pews of churches because we go in with a mindset. I never come into this pulpit with an understanding of what God is going to do. I come in saying, God, keep my mind open. Let me hear what you're saying. Tell me to shut up when you tell me to shut up. Don't let Bob get in the way. And I'm telling you, that's my honest, that's my heart every single time. Because if I think I know how he's going to move, he'll move just the opposite, just to spite me. I'm just telling you. If we're going to be spiritually balanced, we need to know that he's in charge. He has an agenda. We need to hear him and follow him. And that's it. Okay? The second danger of being spiritually imbalanced is that the door can be open to the enemy coming and taking advantage of that spiritual imbalance in our life. We must understand that because God does something, it doesn't establish it as a movement. 
I remember years ago, I heard a preacher say, you know, one place in the Bible, Jesus healed a blind man by spitting and putting his fingers in his eye. Another one, he made mud and put, and, and, and made mud with the spit. Another time, he just laid hands on him. He said, and if it was us, we'd have the church of the one spit, the church of the spit in the mud, and the church of the no spit. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make a movement out of it. The one thing about God, he's, he's such a diversifying God in the way that he wants to move. He goes, my ways are so much higher than yours. I got stuff playing you don't even have a clue about. When God moves in a certain way, it's not a movement, it's, it's a moment. Why did God do that? I don't know. Do you know in the Bible it says in the last days there will be signs and wonders? Signs I understand. Wonders are the things that make you go. What's that? Never seen that before. I wonder why God did that. Wonders. just do something because he can. And we're sitting there trying to analyze it going, okay, uh, I think in the Old Testament there was a prophet who did this, 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 this. God's going, you're missing it. I'm just telling you, it isn't a movement that God wants to establish for in perpetuity. He, it's just something he did. He may do it once or twice and he may never do it again. But we're like, we're going to build a monument to it. And we're going to make something out of it that God never intended for us to make out of it. See, anything that God births, God can sustain. He doesn't need us building a monument to it. God is not a showman. He's not a show off. And everything that God does has purpose. That's why years ago when there was a movement down in central Florida, I knew from the get-go that was not God. I'm not calling out names or anything, but it was later disproven, surely proven that it was not of the Lord. In fact, there was evil going on. There was impurity going on. There's all kinds of junk going on in the name of Jesus. And I was shocked by the people that I knew who were spiritually sound people who could not see what was going on. God has a purpose. God may do something that's spectacular, but he doesn't keep doing it just to show off because he can. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but I mean... Whenever we take an attribute or characteristic or aspect or trait of God and, and, and put everything else aside and go, this is what I'm going to do and nothing else, we go to an extreme and we go to imbalance in our life. That's how many denominations were formed today. 
Many of the denominations where we are, they, there were ma many great men that God used to impart truths and revelations. For example, justification by faith. The problem is that they, they took that one truth or new revelation that was built on the past truth and then they made a denomination out of it and, and out of that biblical truth and said this is where God wants us. But then God would come along with a new revelation and that group would go, no, 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 God, this is God's truth right here and, and, and God wouldn't do any more revelations unless he did it through our group and that's how many denominations came about revelation is not given to start a movement revelation is given to cause us to grow closer and deeper in Christ that's what we need to understand and we have groups today that focus on every teaching and that's linked to one topic and that's all they're about. And, and, and they'll teach on that. And the people will listen to it. And they'll buy into that. And then they get out of balance in their spiritual walk. Look, I'm a member of the Assemblies of God Fellowship. We're not even a denomination by the definition of a denomination. But we have what we call 16 fundamental truths, okay? I mean, uh, the scriptures are in the inspired word of God. There's one true God, the deity of Christ, the fall of man, salvation of man. The fundamental things that, that, that are not debatable, they're in the word of God. These things are doctrinal truths. The problem is when we take something that's not in the word and we make a doctrine out of it and we try to establish it as such and we build something on it. For example, the deity of Christ is not debatable. He was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? <laughs> but requiring that church services have to be held on Saturday, that's not doctrine. That's a preference. But we have a denomination that insists that the only day for the church to gather and meet is on a Saturday versus a Sunday. And yet in the New Testament, they met daily. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought about that. I said, daily? I can't get everybody here on a Sunday. How would I get them here daily? <laughs> Me and two others, you know, I'm like, well, we're here, you know, I mean, really. We, we have full gospel teachers that believe and teach that Jesus Christ not only died physically on the cross, physically on the cross, but they teach that Jesus Christ died spiritually in hell and that his spirit ceased to exist. Yes. And the reasoning is that because we were dead in our spirits, the Bible says because of sin, we needed to be born again in the spirit. Therefore, if Jesus was going to save us, he had to be dead in his spirit and then he had to be born again, a new spirit to be raised up. And that's the only way that we could receive salvation. And they teach this, that Jesus died in spirit. His spirit went out of existence for three days in hell. And if I told you the names 
of these individuals, and I guarantee you, some of you have been to their conferences, male and female, you'd be shocked. But they teach it. That is going to an extreme and your life becomes unbalanced. For example, in the natural, there's a lot of foods that have taken in the right way. They're okay. You were talking about making cookies. If you eat a cookie, it ain't going to hurt you. If you sit down and eat three dozen cookies, <laughs> somebody goes, I never eat three dozen. But I got a cookie pan this big, makes one big cookie. It's the same thing, friends. <laughs> it's an imbalance. That ain't healthy, right? I mean, because if you take too much of that, your sugar is going to go off the charts, right? Eating a balance of proteins and carbohydrates and fats and stuff is essential. Too much of one and not of another is going to cause issues in your body. Years ago, I had someone come to me and ask me to pray for them for their sugar diabetes. Well, they had told me previously that their doctor said, you have to change your diet. And, and they had told me what the changes were that they required. And they came up and said, would you pray for me that my sugar would get under control? So I, I've never done this before, but I felt impressed. And I said, did you make any of the changes that your doctor told you three months ago? And the person looked at me and said, not one. And I said, then I will not pray for you. And I went to walk off and they said, you have to pray for me. You're my pastor. I said, not when you're in disobedience. See, I could pray and God take away your sugar diabetes. But you haven't changed anything. Your life is out of balance. You're going to go back to eating the same way. And then you're going to be back here in six months again asking for prayer for your sugar diabetes. Come on now. We have to use some common sense. And you say, well, pastor, you're supposed to pray for everybody. Not when your actions are imbalanced. I'm not going to do it. It just doesn't make any sense. How many of you still love me? <laughs> I could pray for you, but it's not going to fix the problem. The prosperity teaching, again, became an imbalance over the years. I, I, I didn't want to even just put videos up there, but I, I've seen videos where preachers are yelling, money, 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 and people are running up to the altars, pulling out dollar bills, 20s, 100s, and filling the altars three foot deep full of bills while they go, money cometh, money cometh, money cometh, money cometh, money cometh. And people are up there running and throwing their money and everything. Can I tell you, that's not balanced. Tithing is balanced. I know of an international minister went overseas 
and got up and said in front of over a hundred thousand people that God spoke to him and said the first one thousand people that came up and gave a thousand dollars said in 90 days would be completely out of debt and they had people lined up across the front with their ministry team with credit card machines and more than a thousand people they're running their credit cards through and 90 days later guess what they were in worse debt than they ever were before and they were calling this ministry and the ministry blocked the phone calls coming from that country from the leaders that Organize that meeting. Why am I telling you this? Because that's imbalance. And we should be able to see that and understand it. <laughs> Years ago, in our own district, this happened here in Louisiana. I was at an ordination service many years ago. And they... They had allotted a certain amount of time for the guest minister to preach. Then they were going to ordain the new candidates for ministry. But they needed to raise a certain amount of money because they'd found some termite damage on the state office. And they got a minister from another part of the state who spent 45 minutes of the one hour they had allotted for the minister to preach before ordination. And the reason they had cut the time down was because there was still like four hours of business to conduct that was going to last till well after midnight. And for 45 minutes we heard, okay, I got $100 here. Who'll give me $500? Somebody give me $500. $200? Somebody write this down. 45 minutes, they went around till they got the $25,000 that they needed. Then they turned it over to the guest preacher to come up, and he looked at his watch. He goes, I got less than 15 minutes. Guess this is not important. He read his scripture that took like five minutes. He did his introduction. He had a big old Bible. When he got straight up and down 9 o'clock, I'm done. Because y'all did what was more important. And he went and sat down. <laughs> and the, the presbytership sitting there going, huh? He said, you told me shut up. 9 o'clock, it's 9 o'clock. Do your thing. I watched that. I was sitting on my stomach through the whole thing. Because I'm thinking, this is the most important night in these people's lives. Being ordained in the ministry. And their time was being taken to go raise funds. Because of termites. I'm just telling you what I've seen. The imbalance. The imbalance. Look, there needs to be worship. There needs to be the preaching of the word. 
There needs to be the anointing. There needs to be the laying on of hands. There needs to be time to allow Holy Spirit to do what Holy Spirit wants to do. There needs to be time for the flowing of the gifts of the Spirit. But we need to understand that we cannot come together every time and think that every time we come together it's about receiving prophecies or visions or falling out under the power of God. I believe in every one of those things. I've been a part of it. I've been on the receiving in, I've been on the giving in. But what I'm, I am leery of people who claim to have daily <laughs> and multiple encounters with God. I mean, I, I, there's a red flag that goes up in my spirit about people like that. I'm just telling you, that's just me. Maybe I'm just weak and stupid. But when I was a kid, I, my favorite TV show was Lost in Space. And my favorite character was Robot. That was his name, Robot. And I liked him because whenever danger would come, and it was usually when Will Robinson was around, all of a sudden things would start whirling on that robot's head and the arms would come out. They looked like big slinkies, you know, with the hooks on the end. And he'd go, warning, 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 Will Robinson. Warning, warning, warning. When I see stuff like that and hear stuff like that, I hear Holy Spirit going, warning, 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 Bob, warning, warning, take a closer look. I'm not being critical, I'm just telling you that God desires that we be spiritually balanced in our walk. I believe in supernatural encounters. Lest anyone think I don't. On three occasions in my life, I've seen an angel with these two eyes. Not like in my dreams. I've seen them. Okay? I've had visions during the night, during the day, open visions. I've heard the audible voice of God twice. Once was almost, that was enough. It scared me to no end. You talk about put holy fear in you. It did. It shook me to my core. I was like John in the book of Revelation. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a trumpet behind me. I mean, that's what it was like. I believe in those things. But they don't happen every day. And, and here's the danger that I think preachers sometimes somehow convey the idea that they do. And then the people who are in the pews of the church goes, what's wrong with me? I didn't have no voice from heaven. I didn't have no five visions today. I haven't had five angels show up. I haven't had anything like that happen. What's wrong with me? We have to understand there's a balance and that everything God does is with purpose. The followers in Christ need to establish routine in their lives, in their walk with him. Your prayer time, your time of reading and studying the word of God, walking by faith on a daily basis, those routines will keep you balanced in your walk. But I'm going to show, tell you something. When I was traveling in the road in ministry, we were in revival ministry. God had thrust us out in it. I didn't go looking for it. We were traveling around the country and ministering. We'd go to churches for like 
two meetings, three meetings. We'd be there four weeks, eight weeks, four months. I mean, God would just begin to move in a supernatural way, okay? But you know what I began to see? I began to see a trend among people, and that was that whenever you gave a prayer line or whatever, they came running to the front, and they were waiting for someone to lay hands on them. And I'd, and then many times, I'm serious, I'd watch them go down and when they got up, they'd get up and run down to the end to catch it again. And one night, I saw that happen. I saw this one lady do that three times. Second time I started to say something. Third time I did. She said, I said, I said, what are you doing back up here? She says, I want another fix. I said, what do you mean a fix? She said, I want another Holy Ghost fix. I said, you're nothing but a spiritual junkie. Because you're living from fix to fix. You're living from encounter to encounter. I said, if you don't repent and get right and get things in your life balanced... I said, there's coming a storm, and that storm's going to take you out. Good stuff here. I don't want to preach this today, brother. I'm just telling you. But I, feel, I just feel the, the Holy Ghost burning in me, saying, warn them. Because the tendency and the trend is to run from place to place to place. Listen, I am not discounting the offices of the church. Of apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. I am not discounting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when you come and the only reason is to get a word or to get an experience or an encounter or whatever. Encounters become the latest trend word on social media for churches. And I'm like, okay, well, if your church has been dead and God hasn't been there and you're going to have an encounter, then go. But we should not be chasing encounters because we already know who he is. He is the one who has life. He is life itself. And we need to understand that a Holy Ghost fix ain't going to do it. Had a friend not long after God had showed me that. He said, man, is there a good Chinese restaurant around? He said, I need, I need a fix. I said, you a Chinese food junkie? He said, man, if I don't get it once a week. He said, he said I'm, I'm, my whole week's ruined. I said, your week's ruined because you didn't get chop suey? <laughs> you know they had a spring rolls and made my life ruined. I'm like, you got to be kidding. You know, I got a friend. He's, he's got a fried chicken fix. Every day he's got to have fried chicken of some kind. The end of the day comes, he ain't had it. He's going out to get it. <laughs> I'm serious. Here's the thing. If we're not spiritually balanced, when storms of life come your way and they are going to come. <laughs> if you're balanced, you'll stand and withstand that storm. 
And that brings me to this last part, and I'm going to get through it really quick. The danger of being spiritually imbalanced is that you can abort the purpose of God for your life. Jesus stated in the last days in Matthew 24 and 5, he said, For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Did you know that the number one sign, the number one sign in the last days that Jesus warned about was not storms, it was not earthquakes, it was not famines, it was not pestilence. The number one thing that Jesus warned about in the last days was deception. Deception. I remember as a kid, my parents took me to Boston. I lived in Massachusetts in the central west part of the state as a kid for several years. And my parents took me one day to Boston to see the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus. I remember I'd never been on a subway before. That was cool. I said, they said it's like a train, but it goes underground. And my brain couldn't wrap around that. Trains underground? I was looking for the caboose and the engine. There wasn't none on the thing that came by. You know, my parents said, just get on. Doors are going to close. All of a sudden, it starts moving. We went there. That, that circle was huge. You know, when you're a kid, everything's big. But it was huge. It was held at Boston, in like in Boston Gardens. It was humongous. And I remember... Everything that was happening. I mean, there was stuff going on constantly. But I remember the trapeze artist, you know, that was cool. I remember a lot of things. But the one thing that I remember the most was the tightrope walker. I remember the tigers and the lions and, you know, snap of the whip. I remember all the clowns, 14 clowns coming out of one little car. And I still don't know how they did that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There was seven kids in my family. We couldn't fit in the station wagon. They were coming out of like a two-seat car. I'm like, how do they do that? But then all of a sudden they go, ladies and gentlemen, turn your attention to the high wire. And the spotlight goes up there and here comes a person. And they're coming out and they got this rod, you know. And they're going to walk all the way across that tent on that high wire. And of course they're doing, you know, all that. And I don't believe any of that was fake. I mean, that's, that was real. And then I noticed the trapeze artists, when they were swinging and jumping and everything, they had a net under them, but this high wire person had no net. I remember, Mama, they took the net down. She said, be quiet. I guess she thought if I said something, he'd fall. <laughs> I mean, there's a few thousand people there. Be quiet. <laughs> there's no net. That person's walking all the way across, you know, like this. And I think it stood out in my mind because it took so long. But I remember when they were like to the other side, I'm like, they're like one foot left. They got it, you know, and they're like trying to get it, you know, and all of a sudden they, ta-da, and everybody goes wild. And I'm like, oh, I can breathe. I didn't know I was holding my breath the whole time. You know, I mean, I was watching that. It just stood out to me, you know. And, 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 and I don't, it just came to mind because when we're walking a balanced life in Christ, the Word of God is like the net that those trapeze artists had. But when you're walking an imbalanced life, you're like the tightrope walker that has no net. 
And when you fall, the Bible says great will be the fall of it. We, the thing is, when you got God's word, even if you fall, if your heart is right and your heart is pure, God can pick you up, dust you off, and set you back on the right path. And you will learn from that experience. But if you're imbalanced and, and, and doing your own thing because somebody's doing it to or told you to, when you fall, brothers and sisters, there's a great penalty and a price that takes place. I've, I've seen, I was in a foreign country when a very noted minister worldwide fell in a moral failure and I was in the country of Guatemala right afterwards and the missionary told us that over half the churches in that country closed when that man fell. I said why? He said because they figured if he fell either everything was fake or they didn't have a chance. I can't tell you the pain that I felt as a young minister thinking that a moral, fa that, that a failure like that could have on people. And the weight, Pastor Josh, that put on me. I felt such a grievous weight on me realizing why God's word says that we, we that the higher up you go, more is required. To whom much is given, much is required. The world says the higher up you go, the less is required of you. You got say so. But in God's world, it's just the opposite. Because your actions have consequences. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I'm just going to tell you this. If you're watching a person... And they fail. And your faith fails. You're wrong. Because the only place your eye should be. Is on Jesus. Amen. Let me kind of close this out. Learning to be spiritually balanced. Is allowing all of the scripture. To be applied to your life. Listen to me. Anyone. I mean anyone. That says they're not called to preach certain parts of this Bible. They're not balanced. And their followers won't be either. Can you imagine? I was the very first church I ever preached in. I had a young Baptist preacher ask me to come preach at a little country Baptist church where he was. I said, I'm going to preach on the Holy Ghost. He said, go ahead. He said, they'll run y'all. I said, but I'm going to preach on it. So I started preaching on baptism of the Holy Ghost. And a man on the front row said, we don't believe in that. I said, you don't? Give me one of them Bibles in the pew. Handed me one of those pew Bibles, you know, hardback Bibles in the pew. I opened to the page. I said, man, yours reads the same way mine does. I read it. I said, look, it says the same thing. I read it out loud. And I said, but you don't believe in that. No, we don't believe in that. I ripped the page out of their Bible. I crumpled it up and threw it on the floor. They went, ah! 
I mean, you heard all 20 people. I thought we were going to have to do CPR on all of them. <laughs> he said, he ripped a page out of the Bible. I said, you don't believe it. Might as well. I said, well, that means you don't believe. And I flipped over this other passage. And I read it. I said, y'all don't believe that either. And I ripped that page out. And I crumpled it up and threw it down. And I said, oh, that means you don't. And I did that like five times. Finally, this guy come after me. He wanted the Bible back. I guess he's going to paint. He was going to tape those pages back in the Bible. And he said, young man, you're done. I said, couldn't think of a better place to stop. And I just walked out. Left my friend on the front row. He had to handle it. <laughs> I mean, when they take your Bible away from you, you're done. Right? I mean, serious. They didn't want that part of Scripture. They said, we don't believe in that. I thought I was doing them a favor. I started to say, just rip out page 29 and page 167. And, you know, give them all the pages in their Bibles they could rip out. You said, did you really do that? Yes, I did. I really did. See, when you come to Life Church, you're going to hear a lot of subjects taught. A lot of topics taught. But I'm going to tell you this, that if all we ever did was preach on healing, we would not be balanced. If all we ever did was preach on faith, we would not be balanced. If all we ever did was preach on worship, we would not be balanced. If all we ever did was preach on uh, hosting the presence of God, we would not be balanced. I will say this, and some of you will maybe disagree, but if all we ever did was preach on salvation, we would not be balanced. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15, so Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up. Why? Until we reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the stature of Christ. You cannot grow up in all things of Christ only learning one subject. <laughs> you just can't. My wife and I used to attend a church down when I worked at Disney World years ago. We used to attend a church down in uh, Kissimmee, Florida. And on the first Sunday of every month, he preached on salvation. On the second Sunday, it was the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Third Sunday, it was on the second coming. And on the fourth Sunday, it was on tithing. I guess he did it on the last Sunday because the next week would be the first of the month. And then on the first of the month, he was back to salvation. We went there for two and a half months. And I, I told my wife, I said, watch, he's going he's to preach on the Holy Ghost today. Sure enough, he preached on the Holy Ghost. It was the second Sunday of the month. I said, he's only got four topics. I said, there, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with those four topics, but there's so much more in here. I said, you end up with shallow Christians who do not under the, understand the depth and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. I said, and we're called to preach until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. You cannot become mature eating nothing but chocolate chip cookies. I'm sorry. It's just not normal. You got to have your veggies. 
and other stuff that's good for you. I told you last week, I mean, in my house, you had to eat everything growing up. You made a face, you got double portions. <laughs> and we didn't have no microwave to warm it up. My mama would say, you don't like it now, you're going to hate it when it's cold. You better eat it now. I'm serious. Let me close with this statement here. There's power in a Christian's life. See, here, here, here's the thing Paul addresses. He said that we're called to no longer be tossed back and forth. And the reason we're tossed back and forth is because our life is out of balance. The power in a Christian's life comes from doing the right thing on a consistent basis. On a daily basis. I don't fret if I didn't have a vision today. I didn't fret if God did not prophesy to me today. I don't fret if I didn't have a word of knowledge today. Hopefully I learned something, but you know. I don't fret over that. I just walk my walk. And if God decides to intervene in a Kairos moment in my life, so be it. But it's doing the right thing consistently. Because here's what you need to do. If you're going to have longevity in your walk with Jesus, you're going to have to be balanced. Longevity. That's the long run. Long term. All the way to the end. I read a few years ago, I don't remember exactly. Pastor Josh, you may have read this. They did a survey of ministers who began in ministry and how many finished. What was the number? Do you remember? It was, it was like those who would finish over like 40 years. It was either one or two out of ten. They didn't last. And Paul said, run the good race. And finish the race. He said, I've run the race and I've finished it. I've done it well. How many of you want to say that? I want to know that when Jesus comes and I stand before him that I can stand and hear him say, well done, you finished well. Can I tell you, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And we've all made dumb mistakes. Look at your neighbor and go, I know he's talking about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caught you a few of you on that one. Yeah. We've all done them. But he's the God of mercy. He's the God of fresh mercies. His compassions, they fail not. His mercies are new every morning. I said, God, would you just make our church a church of people who will go after you and quit chasing fads and quit tra chasing trends and quit chasing the, the, the thrill 
and just go after you, Jesus. When Jesus turned to those that were following him, he said, what do you want? And he said, we're, we want to go where you're going. He said, I, the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to put his head down. Most of us would go, oh, well, never mind. They said, that doesn't matter. We're going. We're going to follow you. And if that's in your heart this morning, would you, if you're able to, would you just stand right where you're at or maybe just lift your hand if Oh. Oh. The Bajabu Mahayatsi to Kukucha Kaze Beleli Tutu Rakasha Maleta Mujaba. Yes, Lord. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Hear ye the word of the Lord. For I have spoken unto you through my servant. Hear ye the word of the Lord and follow me. Turn not unto the right hand or to the left, but straight forward project yourself in the ways of the Lord, and he shall bring your way to pass. Lead not to your understanding, yes, Lord. but be faithful in all my way. Be faithful in all the teachings of the word, and you shall prosper in your way and in that day ye shall say it is the Lord who has blessed me it is the Lord who has healed me it is the Lord who has prospered me and not me myself hear ye the word of the Lord yes Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Those of you who may not understand what just took place, the Bible speaks of the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And the purpose of it is for the revelation of God to his people concerning a specific thing or a specific word or moment. And that's what we've just heard. And it's, in, it's to be encouraged. It's to be encouraging, challenging, affirming. And it's been all of those things. Yes, Lord. For the word of the Lord is spoken, and it will go forth and do that to which he has sent it. The word of the Lord shall be in thy heart and in thy mouth, 
Thou shalt speak it as it is given unto thee. Thou shalt have the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord. For the Spirit of the Lord is not straightened. The Spirit of the Lord is available to all. For I will pour out my Spirit, saith my word, upon all flesh. And they shall prophesy, and they shall speak in new tongues. They shall take up serpents. They shall do all those things in my name. But beware, beware, lest thou fall into error. Beware, beware, lest thou do those things in thy own strength. For it is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Yes. And that last part goes along with something I did not say this morning. The Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, there are many of you who are saying, God, I'm available. Why haven't you used me? And he said, because there is imbalance or in some things in your life. And you've not allowed my spirit to move and to correct certain areas of your life. And I will not entrust the anointing. And I will not entrust it to one who will not allow me to work in their life and bring change and correction and rearrangement. I will not allow it any more than you would give the keys to a vehicle to a six-year-old child and expect them to know what they would do with it for the power that they have would not be for benefit it would bring air it would be bring disaster and he's saying but I am looking for those who are willing to say God I put my life on the altar I put everything on the altar do with me as you desire and if you allow me to do these things then I will have my way with you and I will impart unto you the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding I will bring clarity of voice to your heart and to your spirit. You will have understanding that goes beyond your natural realm and you will begin to see things in the spirit that you have never seen before. But you must be able to put those things on the altar. For I, there has come a time and the time is now when I am looking for those who will say I put everything there. God I put my whole life upon the altar. Use me do with me as you want. And the Spirit of the Lord said, if you will do that, I will do a work. And there will be no doubt that it is me that is working through you and in you. But understand, it does not come overnight, but I am able to do things in a quick manner, says the Lord. My idea of quick and yours are different, and yet I will begin to use you even in small ways. And as you begin as I begin to use you, you will begin to see it fluctuate and begin to grow. And you will begin to flex your spiritual muscles, so to speak. And I will be able to trust you. And as you step out in faith and, and see the hand of God working through you, greater things shall you do. And my name will receive the glory. My kingdom will expand because that is my desire to work through my church.
But I am looking for a people who are sold out to me and allow me to work as I desire and as I determine and as I will, says the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're ready to say, here I am, God, I place my life on your altar. Let them know right now. You don't need anyone to lay hands on you. Spirit of God is in this place. Right now, it's you, you make an altar with God. You make a place with God. It's you and God. Right now, you talk to Him. You talk to Him. Let Him speak to you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I see the Lord seated on the throne. I see the Lord. I see the Lord. I see the Lord. I see the Lord. Jesus. The very presence in, of God and His throne and His majesty caused Isaiah to shake to his core. He said, Woe unto me! I'm a dead man! God has not come to kill you. He's come to reshape you. There's a holy moment right now. There's a holy moment in this place right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. God, we put it on the altar, Lord. Put our lives on the altar, Jesus. 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 Don't hold it back. Don't hold anything back. Put it on the altar this morning. Put everything there. It's a holy moment. A God moment. Hallelujah. Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Jesus, 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. I love the presence of the Lord. I love the presence of the Lord. Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Mighty God. Yes, Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is putting the gifting of intercession upon individuals' lives because there's a great need in this hour for those who will be obedient to His waking call, who will groan in the Spirit and intercede for the lives of those who hang in the balance, who will intercede for the work of God upon the earth, the kingdom of God, as it forcefully advances There's some of you, you're being woke up in the middle of the night and you're wondering why Holy Spirit's trying to stir up in you to pray and intercede as He gives you the words. 
Be obedient. Grow in that. Grow in that. Grow in that. It's powerful. It's a powerful weapon in the kingdom of God. Those who will yield themselves to intercession. The groanings of the Spirit. The weightiness of the Spirit upon them as they groan. You say, Pastor, you can't, you can't grow a church in this city if, if you're, you're going to services are too long. I'm not interested in growing a church in the city of numbers. I'm interested in seeing people grow in God and grow in the kingdom and grow in His purposes. To equip you to do works of ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Jesus.
Oh.
seated on his throne. Holy 
strong He was clothed in glory Exalted high And the train of his robe Circle round and there. 